0: You're listening to the golf unfiltered podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands and personalities in golf. Our mission to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now the owner and host of the golf unfiltered podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me all over social media at Golf Unfiltered. You can send Golf Unfiltered an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. And, of course, hello to our friends over at the Hackers Paradise, if you're listening to this on the THP mobile app. Hello to our friends over at Cleveland and Strixon Golf. Been playing their equipment for the last year and a half now or so. Still loving it. Got out today and uh, played a little bit with it as well. I'm going to talk a little bit more about today's round and today's topic, but also hello to our friends over at BudgetGolf.com. Be sure to check out all their great deals. They've got a ton of sales going on right now, even for the July 4th holiday. I am recording this on the Sunday before July 4th, and I'm sure that uh, a lot of those deals are still going to be available at the time of this podcast release, so be sure to check out BudgetGolf.com. Today, folks, it's just you and me. Another solo show today, a couple things I wanted to talk about to get off my chest, specifically about pace of play in public golf. You guys, if you follow us on Twitter, at Golf Unfiltered, you saw me going on a little bit of a rant uh, earlier today. I've had the chance to sit back, I've calmed down a little bit, but it was a very frustrating round and I'll get into that. And then later on, I want to touch on the costs associated with practicing this game and I think how these two topics are closely related, and I'll try to do the best I can to tie them together. First and foremost, I want to talk about today's round. So, the weather's been pretty spotty in the Chicagoland area, I've been talking about that the last few episodes. It's been very wet, a lot of rain. It's probably the rainiest spring and summer that I could remember in over a decade, and Uh, Time out on the golf course has come at a premium. It's very rare for me this year, but luckily today, a buddy and I were able to get out, and uh, we went to a course I had not played before in the city of Chicago, Uh, There are a few courses around the city limits. Uh, Chicago, I mean, mean, this is obvious. Chicago's huge, by the way. (laughs) It is really massive. I know a lot of people, when they hear Chicago, if you don't live in the state, you think of, you know, like downtown Chicago. You think of the Loop. You think of, you know, the skyscrapers and all that. But, you know, Chicago's a pretty big uh, stretch of land there. It's got a lot of different neighborhoods. And today we went out to Indian Boundary uh, in Chicago. It is a forest preserve course. I had never been out there before. Um, buddy and I, uh, you know, we're just thinking about getting out there in the morning. Uh, didn't want to pay too much. Uh, in one of the suburb courses, obviously there's many around uh, my area here, but we really didn't feel like paying, you know, over $80, uh, just to get out and play really quickly. And obviously it's very busy because of the weather issues. I've been, uh, I, I talked about earlier, it's about $49 to go and play pretty good deal. Figured, why not? Go out there. Hadn't played the course before. Looked at a few things on the uh, on Yelp. Looked at a few reviews. Pictures looked pretty nice. Course looked pretty well manicured. It was. It was actually in really good shape for a por- uh, forest preserve course. I was a little weary of the fact that it's got 3.8 stars on Yelp. Didn't really know what was going on there. And But anyway, we went for it. Got paired up uh, with another twosome. Nice guys, younger guys, you know, average-ish players, but nothing that would preclude us from having a good time. It was very hot today as well, and so there were a lot of people out there that were just trying to beat the heat, you know, dodge the rain clouds, which eventually did come. And we got off and running. And uh, I was playing pretty well, actually. So was my buddy. And then two hours... Turned into three hours, and we are standing on the seventh tee box. We knew that it was going to be pretty long. We knew that. We knew that going in. Tee times were already, you know, tee times were being missed. They were backed up a little bit at the first tee. The starter was nice enough. He explained everything to us, being the first time that we were on this course. Made a few jokes. You know, you always like a starter that's going to have a sense of humor. At least I do. I would like, you know, somebody to... uh at least kick us off the right way, especially if we've never been to the course before, and that's usually the first impression that you get. Other than the pro shop, is the starter. Well, three hours in, we're on the seventh tee box. We stop at the turn very quickly. They had a nice little, you know, hot dog stand. You could pick up a couple beers if you wanted. We got a hot dog. We're like, all right, you know, maybe things will open up a little bit. Even the even the uh, the lady behind the hot dog stand, said, you know what, I think the the pace is going to pick up a little bit. There's not as many trees on the back nine. Fine. Well, five hours in, and we get to the 15th hole. If you follow us on Twitter, you know that I was pretty frustrated with that. Now, I know that this wasn't Augusta National. I know that... It was a very packed course, but here were some of the issues that were in front of us, and I have no idea what was behind us, but we were keeping pace, and I know that because the group behind us was at least two holes behind us. The groups in front of us included a foursome with two golfers that had to be beginners because they could barely get the air, the, the ball airborne. They were two groups ahead. The group immediately in front of us was a twosome. A twosome on a Sunday morning. We teed off at 9.22 was our scheduled tee time. We actually didn't get off until about quarter to ten. And neither of those two players in the twosome were very good either. In fact, one of the guys was... uh, if he hit a 150 yard drive at all today, I would have been surprised. Indian Boundary is not a long course. I think from the tips, it plays at about 6,200 yards, which is a very, you know, quaint little course. It looked very nice. There were some interesting holes. I will probably go back and play again. The group in front of us both played from the back tees. There was not a single hole that we did not wait at least 10 minutes before teeing off. And that was that, that was a minimum. At one point on the 15th hole, which is a par 3, it was measuring about 160 to 70 yards, day, I forget the exact distance. There were 3 groups on that hole, including ours. It did come off of a short Shorter par five, I think it was about 460 yards from the back tees. So I'm sure you're already picturing what was going on at this course. And this is—I'm not trying to pick an Indian boundary here. This is a story that could be heard and told from any municipal public golf course in the United States and probably beyond. Every par five at this particular course was under 500 yards. So obviously everyone was going for it in 2. Following that up with a par 3 and not a decent-sized par 4 means that you're not only waiting for the people to go for the, to get off the green on the par 5 so that you can try to go for it in 2. To be completely transparent, my buddy and I both went for it on 2 and we both were about 5 yards off the green. But we're also now creating a bottleneck on the shorter par 3 immediately ahead of us. Now, again, before anyone goes all entitled card on me, as I even mentioned on Twitter, again, I know that this was a municipal golf course. I know that you're opening the door for a wide range of skill sets and a wide range of golfer exper- or experienced golfers. Or levels of experience in the golfer, is what I was trying to say. But I don't think it's too much to expect etiquette to be followed. But then again, maybe I'm wrong. Because what I also saw, specifically, and maybe I am picking on the two guys in front of me, but who knows, they don't know who I am and I don't know who they are and I'll probably never see them again. (laughs) But the two guys in front of me would drive to each of their balls every single time. They were not playing ready golf. They were the typical players that would take multiple golf uh, practice swings, do a club change, take more practice swings before they actually topped their shot, and nothing. I don't think there's a pet peeve in golf that irks me more than that. Just... Not being ready to play your shot. Now, I know we've heard and talked a lot about this on social. We see it all all the time. Do golf carts actually slow pace of play down? Had these two guys been walking, would they have played faster? There's no way to know. There's no way to know. I, I don't know if I subscribe to the theory that golf carts make you slower. I think you take less steps when you're walking, because you're walking directly to your golf ball. But all it takes is one or two groups on a busy Sunday to back up the entire rest of the day. And the reason that's an issue is because it impacts the experience of anyone else that's on that golf course, regardless of skill level. I'm a single-digit handicap. My buddy, you know, hovers around a 10 to a 15. He doesn't play as often as I do, and I don't even play that much anymore. And I understand that my experience playing the game is going to be a little bit different than those who are just starting out. I'm not that naive, nor am I that pretentious to think that everyone has to be a scratch golfer to go out there and play the game. But if you are a beginner golfer and you're trying out golf for maybe the first time or the second time, whatever, or even if you haven't played in years and you're just getting back into the game, wouldn't it make sense to play at a time that's probably not the busiest of the day? Isn't there a little bit of thought that has to go into when you actually book your tee time knowing that you're going to be right in the thick of things, you're going to be right in the prime time, you know, earlier than 10 a.m. In some courses, it's earlier even than 11 a.m. On a Sunday morning, at a public golf course in the city of Chicago, or a city as large as Chicago, don't you think you're going to get a little pressure to at least keep up with the group in front of you? Now, I saw a few people on Twitter you know, mention, hey, it's not it's not a skill level thing. It's it's not a fact that you know, there there are players who aren't that good or are higher handicaps who can still keep up, who could still play around a round of golf in four and a half, four hours. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And as I mentioned on, on Twitter, three weeks ago I played golf as a single. I just I think it was three o'clock, I it was a weekday, I went out and You know, I had the day off anyway. I'm like, hey, I'm going to try to hop on as a single. I don't care who I get paired up with, and typically I really don't. I just want to get out and play. I got paired up with three players who were probably the worst golfers. And and I'm not kidding. (laughs) The worst golfers I've ever played with. And the reason they were so bad is they told me right from the start, this is only the first time we've played in probably three years. Definitely the first time they played this season. And you know what they did? They didn't hit the ball well. They were having a good time, though. And most importantly, when we got to a point, even if they were in the middle of the fairway, but they were on their sixth shot, they picked up. It's not that hard. If you're only playing golf once every three years, does score really even matter? I, I would argue that it doesn't. You're just out there to have a good time. And these uh, these gentlemen were out there to have a good time. I think it was a dad, his son, and a co-worker. And we had a, we had a blast. We finished in three hours. Now, different time of day, different situation, different course. I would argue it was a much more difficult course than the one we played today, but the point still stands. Nothing was being done about pace of play today. I know we talk a lot about pace of play in the professional game. And yes, those men and women on the PGA and LPGA tours, for example, they, they take forever. We all know the names. I'm not going to name the players now. We could probably think of a dozen names right now of players who are just slower than hell. But I also think we need to be honest with ourselves and understand that they got a little bit more riding on their score than we do. Right? Right? So it's not, it's not excusable to play golf in six hours if you're a professional golfer, but there's a different factor involved. What's so hard about conversations like this, though, is it's a very cyclical argument because anything that I would say right now, and I know I'm probably coming across in whatever way, and, and quite frankly, I don't care because this is a problem in public golf everywhere. And I know that's a fact because a lot of you told me that it's really no different at your local courses either. And I've been playing golf for close to 30 years, and I've seen it everywhere. The fact of the matter is, no matter what point I bring up, someone's got a counterpoint. It's not skill level. It's, it's uh, pace of play not being enforced by the marshals. Well, yeah, that's true too. There was one marshal out at the course today. He was also the starter. That funny gentleman I talked about earlier, by the way, he was the ranger today. Did we see him at all? No. Why? Because he was at the first tee with the line of golfers. It was a busy day. That's just poor staffing in that case. Well, Adam, I mean, how much money do you think that this Forest Preserve golf course has? I don't know, and I don't care. It's not my job to make sure that you have adequate resources to keep your business running smoothly. And quite frankly, this this specific course was maintained by Billy Casper Golf. So maybe that's who I should be complaining about. And here I thought I was actually a little bit more calm <laughs> before I turned on the microphone. Apparently, I'm still a little fired up about this. The end of the story is that we ended up leaving after the fifteenth hole. We could my my friend and I looked at each other. We looked at what was waiting ahead of us. It was another par five. There were three groups on that par 5 again before we even got to the tee, and we were like, you know what, forget this. We've been out here for five hours. Before we get done, it's going to be a six-hour round. We're not in an outing. We're not playing in a tournament. We were playing relatively well, but it wasn't like we were shooting the, the rounds of our lives. And, yes, a thunderstorm was coming within the next half hour, so we got in our cart and we drove off. That's not the way golf should be enjoyed. I'm sure many of you have had similar experiences. Many of you have told me as such on Twitter that you have picked up your your golf ball, you threw it in your golf bag, and you walked off the course. That can be controlled. That can be enforced. Pace of play is what I'm talking about. And I gotta say, you know, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but... I am closer now today than ever before. Of requiring a minimum handicap for specific tee times throughout the day, especially in the summer, in a week weekend morning. I don't know what that looks like. I think on Twitter I threw out in the you know when I was all fired up. Uh, if you're a twenty, if you're above a twenty, you you do not. Get to play in the morning on a weekend. Perhaps even if you're a 15. I have no idea. I have really no idea. That's probably completely unrealistic, and some of you listening to this are probably thinking, wow, that is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. But think about it. Let's just say that there is a, a set cutoff, a minimum handicap requirement, at least from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Let's just make it a two hour window. You cannot have any of those tee times unless you show a a official validated handicap card and you have to be a below X everyone else knows already and that and that is well known and you just make that known you advertise it maybe you're the first course in the area that does anything like that and any tee time after the 9 a.m. have at it if everybody knew that was the case And everybody followed it, and it was enforced. How is that a bad thing? Who loses out in that situation? Because the way I look at it is, yes, I had a full day today where I could have gone out to the golf course and not done anything. Or I could just gone to the golf course and didn't have to come back and do anything at my house, for example. That's not always the case. That's not always the case and I don't know many people none of my friends could say that, especially those with kids. They don't want to spend six hours on the golf course if they actually want to go home and do something that weekend day uh, Sunday with their their family and you know what and save the jokes about you know the tired joke about the husbands who want to stay away from their wives. I'm sure it happens but you know what that's that's not the case here you know it's just a matter of look. You don't want to spend an entire day at the golf course. And you shouldn't have to. That shouldn't be the default expectation. So what's the what's the answer? I've done a lot of complaining. And, wow, we're already at the 20-minute mark here. And I've offered no solutions. Well, I offered one, perhaps. Do we change the way that golf courses are run in order for us to... Yeah, in order to appease to the the better players. I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of problems with that. Admittedly, I haven't thought it through. But another option is, you know what? Why not spend less money, if you're a beginner golfer, and just go to the practice tee? In the Chicagoland area here, I mean, there are a lot of different practice areas that are actually really darn good. I'll name a few. Bolingbrook uh, Golf Club in Bolingbrook, Illinois. Very nice golf course. Pretty expensive. I think it's about $100. Uh, But they have just on the other side of, uh, I forget which, I think that's Renwick Road, there's a top-notch practice area. That includes a a Cleveland golf, and I swear to God I'm not saying that just because I'm partnered with them. But there's a Cleveland golf scoring area where they've got like four different greens of different shot types. There's bunkers and everything. It's absolutely fantastic. And they have a full driving range on top of that with a putting green that is absolutely massive. You can go out there and you could spend $25 for unlimited use. Of their short game area, they give you like one of those metal tubes where you can put pick up you know range balls. You know what I'm talking about. It just doesn't have the bag around it, Um, and you could just go and hit those for three hours, and then you turn that back in, and you then are handed a large 80 ball basket of range balls that you can then go and hit those. You could spend you could literally spend all day doing that. If you really wanted to, you'd be tired as hell, <laughs> but you could do that. For $25. Now, for the beginner golfer or a golfer that's trying to improve his or her game, wouldn't you want to go rather do that than go on a Sunday morning in the middle of all these tee times? I don't know. I you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being completely obtuse here. Maybe I'm just uh, maybe I'm missing something. I don't, I don't really know. But I would have to think that if you're a player that... I mean, hell, I've, I've felt this when I'm not playing well. I feel like I'm keeping the people behind. I'm holding them up. I don't know. Well, part of the reason that people don't go and practice, and this goes to a, a Twitter poll that I asked everybody, is because really it's not that... It's not that cheap to pra- practice anymore either. Yeah, $25 for unlimited range usage and 80 golf balls. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good deal. I think Mistwood Golf Course uh, is like 20 bucks for use of their practice area, and they have a similar deal, and there are some others. Cog Hill, you can go get a a basket of range balls from the mats for $7.50, but if you want the grass tees, that's going to cost you 10 50 Cantini Golf, which is a fantastic golf course in Wheaton, Illinois, they're gonna. That's gonna run you fourteen dollars. Last time I checked, if you want to hit off a of grass tees, so now you have an ROI uh, question. How do you want to spend your time? Well, if I'm going to spend fourteen dollars, why not spend twenty more dollars and go find a you know a cheaper uh, uni- municipal course or an executive course somewhere and just go play that instead? Because I'm playing golf then. I asked all of you, too. Do you think driving ranges are too expensive? I put a poll out there, as I mentioned. 142 of you answered yes or no. 52% said yes. 48 no. I found that very interesting. It's almost a dead 50-50 split. At one point, uh, with an hour remaining, if I remember correctly, it was actually literally 50-50. I also uh, asked that Dependent on how you voted, could you just offer a little bit more information? At Edward Detuza, our friend Ed, I only said yes because they are not all equal. Some are much better than others, referring to driving ranges, but charge the same. One by my office is $7 for 25 balls, which is absolutely absurd. That's my comment, by the way. $7 for 25 balls, come on. But the grass range, putting green, and chipping area are all in good condition. Okay, well, I guess a question for that would be, do you get to hit those 25 golf balls all over the place, or is that just on the range? At slant week... (laughs) Twelve bucks for a large bucket off a of mat. Range balls are in terrible shape. That is at my local Goat Track, which is a very, uh, which is a term that needs to be used more often. If I do say, uh, Semi Hills Golf Course in SoCal uh, does half price for juniors, which I think is awesome, and that's actually a really good thing. I know there's a few courses around here uh, that offer discounts for junior golfers as well. And again, I think that's the best case scenario. If you're a younger golfer, um, and you know skill level, whatever. But if you're a younger golfer and you want to go out and actually just spend a day at a golf course, yeah, I mean, that's the group that we should be allowing to go and do that. I don't care if I've got a group of, you know, 12 year olds in front of me, and as long as they are practicing the etiquette of the game and they're not waiting for any shots or, you know, I don't care how bad they are, keep it moving. That's how I was taught. Keep it moving. Well, Adam, you can't expect everyone to behave—you know—behave the way that you want them to behave. Yeah, no, I get that. But what I can't expect is for people when they go and they spend money to go do something that they actually stick to the etiquette of the game. Because you know why? Because we do it. That's what's expected of us. I am fired up about this still. <laughs> uh, at Fredo uh, Gauthier says, "You get what you uh, pay for. Ten for twelve dollars is." Ten or twelve dollars is well spent if two hours of specific goals and engaged, intents versus thirty minutes of aerobic and eagle ball aggression. You're right there, uh, Fred. I think that's your name. Uh, you're right. Practice with a purpose. That's what that speaks to. If I were to go and uh, I go to Cog Hill pretty often to go uh, practice, if I spend seven fifty uh, off the mats for a bucket of eighty golf balls, yeah, you better. Uh, it's going to take me at least an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. And I'm not in the minority there. There are a lot of people that go when they do that. Practice with a purpose. Uh, here's one from uh, At55GA Crowder. In Pacific Northwest, most are covered and heated, which adds cost, but unfortunately puts you on mats instead of grass mats. Uh, don't give a good feel of lies. I prefer to go to golf courses with full practice facilities. Similar in price and can work on a complete game. Yeah, I I, I agree. You know, mats are really hard... To practice on. Uh, Here's a few others here. um, At Nate Edwards, most of the courses I play in Oregon, you can get about 100 balls for less than $10. So answered no. Well, I think more courses uh, should take that on. Really, I mean, what, what is it that we're paying for? And I'm genuinely asking that. I have absolutely no idea. I tried to research a little bit about the cost of starting a driving range or at least maintaining a driving range. It's actually pretty hard to find information on that. I think I found one uh, economics message board. I got lost in the, the wormhole of, of the internet. Uh, it broke it down. Somebody broke down all the costs associated with the driving range. Whether you know, It ranges everywhere from the golf balls to... The mats themselves, the tees, uh, the structure, uh, the land, you know, big things like that. Uh, a range picker, ball washer, all that. You could probably get all in and get started with about hundred grand. is one thing that I saw. And that's just with mats. So I would imagine, and I'm, you know, I'm not that stupid. I know that there's a lot of uh, maintenance that's required, especially if you have grass tees. But it just seems like, man, $14, this person says. My indoor one is $14 for like 90 balls, and that's ridiculous in my opinion. You're indoors. You get 90 golf balls. You're obviously hitting off of a mat. You're probably hitting it into a net or a screen of some sort. That, see, that's just that's ridiculous. And so what are the options that players have? And maybe this is a matter of where I just have to kind of sit back and say, you know what, you have to deal with it. If people want to go and if we want to grow the game, there's that damn phrase again, grow the game, maybe we have to put up with days like today. I don't think we do. I don't think that's, I hate this word, but I don't think that's fair. Because why should my experience or players like us, people listening to this, why should our experience be hindered? Because, or at the expense of someone else, or vice versa. You guys know what I mean. I tried to, I worded that horribly. But, why can't we all strive to actually make the game more efficient? Well, it's situations like this. Practicing the game, even, where you would actually have to go and get better, or could get better, that's expensive, too. So, I get it. I really do. I really, honest to God, do. Now, I I am not a the best uh, person who budgets my funds uh, in our household. I'm sure uh, Mrs. G.U. could tell you that. But if I had a specific golf budget for the month, and that was, let's just say, $100. $100 a month is what I get to use for golf. Well, right away, that tells you what. That's probably too low. I'm probably only going to be able to play one time. And if I want to throw in any practice sessions in there, well, (laughs) you know, I guess every time I go to the range, especially if I go to any of these that people were mentioning the quality of the course that I get to go to with what's ever left over, that just continues to go down. And that puts me in a situation where no matter how many times I went and practiced, I could be at a municipal golf course like I was today, and I got to spend six hours out there. I don't know. I, I just think it can be better. And so, taking a step back, thinking a little bit more objectively about this whole thing, I understand that what I experienced today was probably an outlier, and it is. Truth be told, I may have mentioned this earlier, but four hours, four and a half hours, that's that's usually the average, uh, uh, you know, for 18 holes that I experience in my area. And I, I would think that's probably pretty much the case nationwide. I'm, I'm taking a guess there. I have no idea if that's true. I've played much faster as well. I've played in under two hours. Um, if I had to state a preference of how fast I would prefer to play 18 holes in, I mean, I would say anything under four hours is a good day. I also know that in a game that is as exclusive, or has a history of being as exclusive as golf, a lot of what I said today probably comes across as, well, what, what are you talking about, Adam? Are you saying that we want to actually push people away are you saying that you actually have to be as a certain level in order for you to actually get onto the golf course? Shouldn't you be talking more about inclusion than exclusion? Well, yeah, we should be. But as I mentioned in a piece on uh, golfunfiltered.com a little bit ago, I think I wrote it in the uh, Unfiltered Friday about the, the show Holy Moly. I, I know a lot of you are enjoying that show. I, I have to admit, it's it's funny. <laughs> I like it. It's, you know, it is what it is. You have to go in knowing what you're getting into. But in that piece, I talk a lot about this whole concept of growing the game and how I feel that that's lost its meaning over the last couple of years, certainly in this year. Everybody wants to grow the game, and everybody wants more people to play in the game, and they want to see juniors. They want to see more uh, inexperienced players of any gender, on the golf course, as long as it doesn't impact your experience. And a lot of what I said today in this episode probably throws me in that category. And yeah, that's that's hard to admit because I want to see golf courses pop up everywhere. I want to see golf courses well-maintained and people enjoying themselves and junior golfers out on the course I don't see that enough I don't see enough couples out on the course I don't see enough uh, people out there with their families on the course enjoying themselves probably because people like me get upset when my experience is impacted negatively from my perception in any way maybe I'm contributing to the problem I have no idea if that's true or not. All I know is that this is a much more complex problem than people may think. There is no one-size-fits-all solution to this. A couple of the things I mentioned today, I don't know. It's very exclusive stuff. If you're going to have a license like they do in Germany, I believe it is, that you actually need a golf license in order to go and play... I have no idea how you get that. I imagine that there's some sort of testing protocol or, or uh, ability test. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we have to get there. I don't want to go renew my license. I don't like to renew my car registration, like <laughs> the sticker on my license plate. I don't want to go renew my golf license. I have a hard enough time deciding whether or not I want to renew my my uh, CDGA handicap every year. But there's got to be, there's got to be a middle ground here somewhere. If it's too damn expensive to go and practice, to get better, so that you can then go with confidence and the ability onto a golf course any time of the day and enjoy yourself and have people around you also enjoy themselves because they're not waiting on you. How do we make that easier? And I'm, I'm honestly asking that to you listeners. If anyone's listening to this, and if you've got ideas, you know how to get a hold of me. At Golf Unfiltered on social media. GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com is the email. I don't know. Today was just one of those days, I guess. It was just an interesting, it it was a, uh, as I called it on Twitter, it was the prime example of the paradox that exists in the game of golf for people who want to enjoy the game a little bit more. You have to be of a certain ability in order for you to not make jerks like me upset. (laughs) But in order for you to get to that ability, you have to go and practice somewhere, but it costs too much to practice. Let me know what you think. Reach out to us at those uh, social networks as well as on email. Really interested in your thoughts. And you know what? If you like what we do here, I always forget to plug this, but go out to iTunes and rate us five stars or give us any star rating. Leave some feedback. Leave a review Really take that seriously. Uh, Really enjoy any of the feedback that we get. I know a few of you send us some emails as well. Uh, I read every one of them that comes through. Uh, Please continue to do so. If you haven't already, go out to the website, golfandfilter.com. We have a, a merchandise section. There's only one thing out on the merchandise section, and it is our GU Shield caps. We've sold a few of them. Uh, feedback that we've received so far has been pretty positive. Go out and take a look at them. It's pretty, you know, your typical dad hat, unstructured hat look. Uh, go out and take a look. We've actually just reduced the price down to fifteen dollars, not including shipping and taxes. I feel that's a pretty good price. I'm biased. <laughs> if you want to support your independent golf podcast, please go out and do so. That's one. That's one great way to do it. We'll be sure to get that shipped out to you. Um, you may have seen a few things also on social media, on our Instagram, uh, specifically, uh, I'm kind of, and I blame my, my buddies, uh, JB over at the Hackers Paradise and Michael Verska for this, mainly because they're, they're enablers and I will tell that to them and they're probably listening to this now, but they are enabling me to, uh, spend money (laughs) on (laughs) trying to turn at least a small, uh, corner of my basement into a golf club, uh, lab, basically, um, Something I've always kind of wanted to do anyway, Uh, working in a golf course growing up, I I knew all the, I was taught all the general basic club building and club repair things, you know, very, very basic stuff. You know, I can, you know, reshaft a a golf club, for example, or regripping, of course, you know, stuff like that. And I always thought how nice it would be to be able to do that in my home, you know, and then, you know, as you all know, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, um, you know that my wife and I, uh, we, we've we been in this house now for almost three years, uh, which is unbelievable, and this is the first time that I actually have a basement <laughs> where I can go and, and do this type of thing, and so um, I am a complete novice when it comes to this type of stuff, I know JB and Michael, they try to give me some tips every so often, but If anyone's listening to this, if you've got any resources that you think I should check out, you know, I'm talking about club building, you know, and and any devices. I know the stuff at Golf Mechanics is great. Golfworks.com is also great. Um, You know, Mitchell, they've got a lot of great stuff. These are all brands that I'm learning. I don't know if I'm ready for a shaft frequency machine yet, (laughs) but I'm sure I might get there at some point. Um, But let me know, you know, if if you're somebody that is a club builder as well and you want to come on the show. Uh, happy to have you on the show. We could talk about that, too. This is something that I'm just trying to do to expand my, uh, I don't know. I, I always try to look for new things in the, the world of golf anyway, and this is something that I've not done before. And it's it's been fun so far. So, all right, folks. I'm, uh, Thanks for tuning in. I've spent a lot of time here ranting and raving. I feel like I've complained a lot. And I apologize for that. But, you know, I, I, just a lot of... It's not very often where you get a, a good look at something that is talked about so much um, you know, in, the, in the, the golf atmosphere as being a problem. And you see it just loud and clear one day. Uh, today was one of those days. So thanks for listening as always, folks. We'll be back again next week with another guest. Perhaps maybe it's just going to be me again. Uh, follow us on uh, social media. Again, at Golf and Filtered. Send us an email, golfandfiltered@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.